we're in a very unusual time, for lack of a better word. God spoke a lot during COVID, but it was seemed to be, it was powerful. Everything was important and powerful, but he wasn't necessarily giving me major words, major words of wisdom, you know, prophetic in nature for our ministry. It was more a lot of revelation, you know, he talked about, you know, and some of it is still has, has a prophetic edge to it, like lay hold of some things. And then he took us to Micah, do you remember? If you don't lay hold, you won't burst forth. Remember we read that scripture? And then Micah talked about Jesus breaking through and bursting forth, and we're going through a gate. And so God made that personal. This is Hebron. This is a new, a new season. You're going through a gate. But stay in faith. Lay hold. See, that was, a, that was doctrine and revelation had a bit of a prophetic edge because it was about Hebron, but it was still kind of at this level. But, but, but in the last little while, I'm telling you, it's been at this level because he's not just giving me words that are just doctrine words or words in general, but he's, he talked to me about what's going to happen at our church. And I mean, the most unusual thing, you wouldn't expect it because there was no sense of the anointing at first. I had nothing in my heart. Sometimes it's the times where you don't think God's going to do anything and you don't feel anything, that he does the most powerful impartations. Do you understand? And so uh, he showed me something that's coming for our church. And it's important, number one, that we all, the most important thing is that we all stay, that we all get in agreement with God. And that we all stay in unity with each other about getting in agreement with God. Do you understand? That we're all in unity and in agreement. And even if we can't figure it out, which believe me, you you won't be able to figure it out because I can't figure it out either. We're not even trying to figure it out. In fact, if you try to figure it out, you're going to disqualify yourself. And we always have talked, Lorraine, about try, don't try to figure things out because it's going to, it's, you're not going to be able to figure it out. But we don't look at trying to figure things out as a negative. We just look at it like that's just what we do. But it doesn't really help our faith. And it's better that we don't do that. But, you know, if you do it, it's okay. It just doesn't really help your faith. But the Lord took it to a whole nother level. He said, if you try to figure this out, you will completely disqualify yourself from the anointing. Not only just try to figure it out not, is not a good idea. Trying to figure things out will actually abort what God's trying to do in your life. A lot of people don't realize that. They're still trying to figure out, well, how is God going to do? He told me he'd give me a house, but I don't know how he's going to do it. And I'm just struggling because I can't figure it out. You keep thinking that way, you will abort the power of God to get you that house. It's not just a little, maybe a little negative. It actually stops the power of God. And I never really saw that. Because listen, when you're trying to figure it out, it's doubt. That's right. When you're trying to say, how are you going to do this, Lord? How are you going to do this, Lord? It's actually doubt. Because faith says, I don't know, but you're going to do it. I don't need to know how you're going to do it. And if you study, I won't get into it tonight, but if you study Moses with the Israelites... God actually said to him that, he te- that they tested him, they, they provoked him by sending the 10 spies. If you study it, that's what it says. People think that God told him to send out the 10 spies. God didn't tell him to send out the, the, the 12 spies. He didn't tell him that at all. If you study the Bible, it, it was the people came to Moses and said, let us send out these 12 spies, one from each tribe. Let us send them out because we don't, listen now, we don't know where to camp at night. And we don't know by what path to take in the day. And there were, there could be enemies, there could be snakes, there could be a lot of things that are dangerous. So let the spies go out and check what does the land look like and also what path should we take? And the saying, the Bible says, pleased Moses 
Didn't say anything about God anywhere. He says, please, Moses. And he sent out those spies. And if you study later, God said, you provoked me by sending the spies. Why? He said, because my fire was with you by night and my cloud was with you by day. Could you not trust that the fire would find you a safe place to camp? Could you not trust that the cloud would lead you on a safe path to walk? Because that was one of their arguments. We don't know where to camp and we don't know where to walk. Like, the, like a pillar. Think about that. A pillar you're seeing with your natural eyes. A pillar of fire that God has created in the natural realm. And they get so familiar with the power of God. For us, that would all freak us out. We'd just be on our face going, God, whatever you want. I'll just do whatever. Can I roast some marshmallows? I'm really hungry. Please, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then the cloud. Can I cook it? I touch it? Can I go hide in it for a little while? Whatever you want, Lord. Whatever. But see, they got so familiar with God's power. And that was demonstrated powerful power. They got so familiar with it. They got so, they, they handled it too lightly. And then they're saying, oh, we can't trust the fire and we can't trust the cloud. Let's send some men out. In case the fire leads us down the wrong path, like God would lead you down the wrong path. And he said, now that, listen to what he was doing. They couldn't figure out how God was going to do it. So they had to figure it out with their brain. So they sent 12 men to figure it out with their brain. Instead of trusting that the fire, which was God, and the cloud, which was God, would lead them. They had to understand it, Errol. So they had to get men to go and assess and articulate and, and, and quantify and analyze and come back and tell us all the things with pie charts and graphs. Do you understand? And God said, that provoked me. What I wanted you to do was just trust me. So trying to figure it out is an act of doubt and just trusting God, just trusting him blindly. But I, but I don't understand. I know that's the whole point, dummy. I know you don't understand. God knows you don't understand. He won't, you'll just, just trust him. Just agree with your heart and your mouth. Just say, okay. And then when he tells you the first little step, just go, okay, and do it. He won't tell you 25 steps because you can't handle it because you don't even trust him hardly at all on the first step. Just trust him on the first step and do it. And then, and then you have a little confidence and then he'll say, now do this and do that. Now, now go there and go there. And you just keep trusting him and he'll lead you and guide you and lead you and guide you. But you don't have to understand. You don't have to see it. You just know that his angel went out before you to clear the way and you just trust him. Part of this is because you need to hear this as a preparatory, whether you're here or not on Sunday, it needs to be spoken. For Sunday, because some things that God said to me on Thursday, there's just, there's just no way that anybody's going to be able to figure it out. Amen. But he don't need us to figure it out. He just needs us to agree. Amen. He just needs us to trust. He doesn't need us to send out spies. He doesn't need us to try to quantify, analyze, and, and, and have pie charts to figure out, is this possible? Should we do this? Can we do this? Is it reasonable to do this? We don't need a committee. We don't need any of that garbage. If he says, I want you to do this, all we have to say is, okay. And your mind fights you and you shut that mind down. And you go, I don't need to understand it. All I need to know is what's the first step. You told me to go this year, and I don't know how, I don't know how you're going to do that. I don't know when you're going to do that. And I don't, know how, I don't even know how I'm going to get there. But all I need to do knows the first step. So tell me the first step of this. Okay, I'll do that. Now, now I've obeyed you. Now tell me the next step. I can't, I can't go if you don't tell me the steps. Don't tell me too many, Father, because I can't handle it. Because my mind is trying to figure it out, but I'm kind of shut that mind down. So don't just tell me what the next step is and I'll obey you. And that's all you do. That's how you walk by faith. It's just one step at a time. Then he speaks, you trust him and you step. He speaks, you trust him and you step. And you just know the destination is going to be X. They just knew the destination was freedom and a promised land. 
but they didn't need to know how they were going to get there, how long it was going to take them. They just needed to obey God and trust him. And said so they got on their mind about it. They had to understand how God was going to do it. They had to agree. They had to, they had to make, they felt that they had to give God their opinion on if this was appropriate or not. That's why God calls them stiff-necked, stubborn, hard people. And listen, the Jews still are today. They're stiff-necked, they're stubborn, and they're hard as a general, general thing. That's not an anti-Semitic statement. That's the truth. That's the doggone truth, as Randy Greer would say. Because they're still over there, and they're still attacking Pastor Israel, and they're attacking Pastor Avi, and they hate the name of Jesus, and they hate the gospel, and they, and they don't want the power of God. And it's just, they're not the only ones. I think every race on the earth has a measure of stubbornness, stiff neck, and hard-heartedness. We're not picking on Jews. I'm saying everybody has that to some measure. But God himself called them, you stiff-necked brood of vipers. Man, I'm telling you. Why? Because they just couldn't trust him. Listen, I know that I'm, I know that God lies pleased with us because Taylor, we don't see no cloud. We don't see no fire. We don't have angels appearing to us every day. We've never gone to heaven, Reverend Greg. We've never seen Jesus. And we believe this with our own blood. We'd give our blood for this. We believe it so much. We would die for this. We believe it so much. I'm telling you, that God is so pleased with that when he sees people that believe it, though they can't touch it and they can't see it. When he says, this is what I want to do for you, and you just say, Lord, I don't even know if I'm worthy of that, but if you say it, I'll believe it. Lord, I agree with you. Remember Job 22? Just acquaint thyself, agree with God, and you will be at peace and good will come unto you. Just agree with him. Hallelujah. So we had said there, I think a couple weeks ago, the 17th, and then we picked it up on the 24th. Those are two Wednesday nights uh, about, about, you know, doing your part in the, in the realm of the spirit, praying for services. Remember, we talked a little bit about that. I just I had a little bit more to share. And so I just felt the Lord say, tie that off tonight. Just finish that little mini series up tonight. So I'm going to do part three of that. And I remember we had said, talked about those ladies. I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but those women, they prepared a natural place with natural honor, but it produced spiritual power. Because that natural honor caused God's hand to move in their lives. And remember we were talking, the first category was not, you know, you're taking all, our congregation is doing very well on the boxes. We don't do very well at the beginning when we first started the church. But I think over time now, we've got better. People are actually showing up. You don't have to threaten them with electroshock treatment anymore. They actually show up. You know, you know I'm kidding, right? Uh, some people don't know I'm kidding. I've got to just stop saying things like that because the visitors are like, oh, my God, he's a cult member. What's going on here? Uh, people actually show up. They actually dress okay now. Praise God. They, they actually show up on time most of the time. Praise the Lord for that. That's a, mir- that's a miracle in and of itself. Forget about dead raising. Just show up on time, and I'm happy. All right, they tithe. And during COVID, they tithed. And they gave without asking to the, to the Benevolent Fund to help people with food. And they gave to Africa $34,000 or something like that. I was expecting two or 3000 <laughs> What happened? How did we get 30-something thousand, brother? We didn't even take two offerings. We had to beg people to stop giving. Because I'm like, well, they need to give to our church too, not just Africa. My God. Well, there are people eating rice and beans tonight because of you. There are people's stomachs that are full today because of you. And, and now it's opened their heart for the gospel, even their pastors, so they already have the gospel, but it's opened their heart to our leadership even more. We didn't do it for that reason. We're not manipulating them. We do it because God told us to do it. Anyway, uh, but I'm saying that boxes have been ticked. They're being ticked on average. There's always some rebels. Do you understand? 
There was always some rebels that don't want to show up and don't want to tithe and don't like this and don't like that. Don't walk then don't look at the rebels. Because 99% of the people are not rebels. They're wonderful, good-hearted, hungry people for God. So I'm not going to get my attention off one or two bad apples. I just smash them and put them in apple pie. That's what you do with bad apples. You make apple pie. You take something bad and you make something sweet. Right, Taylor? Praise God. I'm going to give you that. That's your job. Take the bad apples and make apple pie. But I think they're doing well, Sandy, overall. And then the Lord said, in addition to all that they're doing well, but remind them that they have an investment in the service. Not just ministry of helps, tithing, showing up, all that stuff, and praying and inviting a friend. All that's so important. We can't do it without that. But if they would pray more, if they would tick the box of praying for that service, and he showed me like that train track, the will of God has to come through, but everybody has their own spike. And you can do your part. Say, Father, for that service coming up, I'm going to just spend 20 minutes praying. Lord, I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost because I've got a spike. I have a part to play in securing that track. It might not be the whole thing, but I'll do my little part because somebody has to secure that track because if you don't secure the track when the train comes through, the weight of the train will just derail the thing and will fall over on its side. You've got to have the track laid. Lord, I'll do my part. And so we talked about praying for the services and investing in prayer and investing in the Spirit and, and making that place, preparing that place in the Spirit by your prayers so that what God wants to say, utter, and what God wants to do, demonstrate, can be said and can be done. And that will happen more if people will pray. I don't know, I'm too I don't want to confess that I'm afraid of anything, but I'm too whatever to ask anybody to lift up your hands. So it's rhetorical. Please don't lift up your hands. But I'm, I'm, I'm just too concerned if I would ask, did anybody pray for tonight's service? I'm a little too concerned that nobody will put their hands up. So maybe I won't ask that question, but one day I'll get to the place where I have such confidence that if I say, did anybody pray for tonight's service, that 90% of the people will put their hands up. But we're not there yet. That's why God's been talking because he knows people are too busy with snapping chat. Okay, they're too busy with cooking and cleaning and working out. You better work out or you'll look like me and I'm working out too, praise God. You better work out, you better work out and you better eat healthy and you better clean your floor so that cockroaches don't show up, but you can still pray. Well, I have to watch TV. I have to relax. Go ahead and relax. Just wake up half an hour earlier and pray. But I need my sleep. No, you're beautiful enough. You don't need any more sleep. You don't need any more sleep. You're fine. But we need to get to the point where we're praying. Then the second thing is the Lord said, don't tell them just to pray for the services, son. That's just what they receive. But they need to think outside what they receive and think about what other people need to receive. Tell them to pray for the live stream audience. Tell them to pray for the people in the Philippines that are watching the live stream audience tonight. Tell them to pray for the people in the United States and other countries that watch the live stream that I can do in their lives what I'm doing here. Tell them to pray for when you go on the plane and you go to Africa or Brazil or these countries. To ask them to pray for the ministry to expand forth in Delaware and these different and, and the northern northern Canada when we eventually get there. Have them pray Israel. I mean, have them pray for the international scene, not just for 140 Capitol Court. So if you can't even pray for 140 Capitol Court where you're being fed, then you'll never pray for anybody else. But if you can get in the habit of praying for these services, then you'll graduate to start to pray for the world. Not to stop praying for the services, but in addition to. Well, then there was a third that I never got to. And then remember I talked about our, our, our FMI Go. Remember we talked about that the last time. And, uh, and, and we're, getting, we're getting a brochure made. And, you know, some people have already, I didn't expect anybody to do it until I had it all completed. But I guess some people are so sweet and hungry, they've already, some partners have already joined. Praise God. 
And so he said, believe me for 60,000, increase your traveling budget by 60,000. I said, okay, Lord, I'll take offerings. And he said, don't you take one offering. All of it's going to come by partnership. And it will be congregation heavy at first and then congregation light after. Not meaning that the congregation will quit, but the volume of people at the beginning will primarily be from the church. But as it grows and expands, there'll be far more people out there that are partners than people in here, although the people in here will still be partners. And it's going to help me go. It's going to help with the aviation. It's going to help me go. This is beyond tithes and offerings. This is beyond everything. This is just a couple bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20, 30, 100, whatever it is on your heart. And you say, this is so that Pastor Craig can go. That's why we called it Field Ministries International Global Outreach. I'm going. And we're in the calm before the storm. I'm enjoying, believe it or not, I'm enjoying not traveling because I can't. This is the calm before the storm. Because there's a storm coming. There's much that God needs done and God needs me to run. And so I'm going to share some of that with you as well. But the third thing was, which I'm not going to belabor because I want to get into some other things tonight. But the third thing that I never had a chance to talk about before, remember, what's the first category? We're going out in concentric circles. First category is this church, this ministry, this building, these services. Second category is this ministry's influence in other areas outside the four walls of this church. Third category is this church's influence in the political arena. And he said to me, now you're not, uh, now let me quote to you what he said and how he said it to me. Can I tell you that? He said this to me, and I'm quoting now, this is in May 2019. That was what? Over a year ago now. He said to me at one point, he said, uh, the, word, the, the word that Pastor Nancy gave you last May in Russia, because that was 18, May 18 in Russia, he's saying this is May 19, is not being fulfilled the way it should. Now put that word up. I, I don't know if it's the order that I told you, Peter, but put the voice word up. I can't remember which is the one, first one I told you, but put the voice word up. Quick, quick, quick. Okay. The voice grows, the voice grows, the range of the voice that grows, goes further. Not just in the city, not just in your country, but in the spirit realm. The voice is enlarged and it will deal with issues that the devil would like to work against your country there in Canada. Take that seriously, my brother and sister. We, I didn't ask for this and I didn't come up with this. God said this. And you can take it to the bank because Pastor Nancy doesn't miss it on things like this. Her track record is very, very accurate. And it will deal with issues that the devil would like to work against your country there in that Canada. It will work to bring blessing and not restriction. Remember, that's exactly what we have, restriction. I don't just mean COVID. I mean in general, restriction. They're restricting our rights to speak and preach about subjects. In fact, there will be legal things there in Canada that will change because they're dealt with. He authorizes you to deal with those things. Does that mean I go to parliament? No. Does that mean I pick it? No. He's talking about dealing with them in the spirit. Because he gives you the voice to deal with it. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Part of that happened tonight. It's just a little, a little thing. It's small. But it's still, you've got you to pay attention when God does things like that. Because I, you've never heard me talk about politicians having no sleep and speaking up and saying no, no, no. That's, I've never said that. It didn't even cross my mind. Because my mind's always been Christian people. But you see, God was trying to get over to us revelation about how he wants to help change our parliament, how he wants to change legislation. And he wants to do it one of the ways, not the only way, is through what I said tonight. But I don't know that. He has to speak that by the word of knowledge, Reverend Greg, reveal that supernaturally and let me speak it forth. So this, by doing things like tonight, it will actually help deal with things legally. Do you understand? This is how how serious this is. It's important. But he said to me in May last year, this was May two years ago, she said that word. He said, this is not being fulfilled the way it should. 
And, uh, and I said, Lord, uh, how do I do this? I want to, I want, if I'm supposed to improve and fulfill, uh, I don't know how to do that. Tell me what I need to do. And he spoke to me. I've shared this more than once, but I'm sharing it again because I think people forget. He said, the only way you can do it is if you're in the spirit. You, you can't just in the natural mental arena try to change things in the government. You've got to be in the spirit. You've got to be under the anointing and you've got to be in that office. Listen, Dr. Dufresne said something very important. Oh my God. The whole thing was, I mean, he said a hundred things that the whole thing was worth it for that one statement. But he said something very important Wednesday night. If you didn't listen to Wednesday night, I'm, I'm telling you, you better, you better wake up, shape up, and you better listen to it. Because God did something on Wednesday night that was astonishing. Never ha- I've never experienced that before. Now, maybe you won't experience it the same on live stream because you weren't in the building, but it was like Dr. Dufresne was standing right here. I've never experienced that before. It's like he was speaking personally to us. Even though he was preaching to Tulsa. It's like he was speaking live right now today. That was yeah. the sense. The anointing caused that sense. Yeah, right. Even though it was 32 years old in two months. But God was speaking through him to our church about signs and wonders coming. But he made a very important statement. A lot of people, because they don't, they don't really listen, they glaze. You miss things. But really listen when generals are talking. Listen to every word. Listen. Listen carefully. And that's why I stopped writing notes with Pastor Nancy. The Lord said, you're missing half the things she's saying because you're writing. Go back and listen to it again and write. But when she's talking, listen. So, but he said, uh, there's a lot of things that intercessors pick up but can't deal with. There's a lot of things intercessors will know by the Spirit, but they don't, they can't deal with it because they're not in an office. And it takes an office and it takes a general in an office to deal with larger level devils in that atmosphere. Intercessors are the ground troops and they can assist, but sometimes it takes an office to deal with things. And you see now all the intercessory groups won't teach you that. They'll just teach you that they can do everything and everybody needs to join their thing. And thank God for intercessors, we need them. Half of them aren't even under divine authority. They're out of divine order. They don't have a pastor. They're not submitted. They're just running around like church tramps, like doctor would say, just going all over trying to accomplish God's work, and they don't understand divine protocol and divine authority and divine order. And that's why God can't use them properly, because there may be an anointing on them, but if you're not a man submitted to authority, having member the centurion, if, you don't have, if you're not under authority, you can't have proper authority. So half of the problem with all these intercessor groups is they don't even have a pastor. So they might as well just write themselves off because God is only able to use them to a very small measure. They may have a whole hopping meeting and everybody's screaming and shouting and swinging from the chandelier, but that doesn't mean they change things in the nation. You've got to be under authority in order to have authority. That's the way that God works. That's always the way that God works. You never find any Old Testament on you any other way. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God ever. You might have a horse called Tonto or whatever his horse's name was, Silver or Slash, I can't remember. But whatever it is, Fluffy, I don't know what his name was. I can't remember. I I watched it as a kid, you know. But it doesn't matter. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom of heaven. Everybody is under authority. Everybody. Everybody. Praise God. And when you get that high in the office of the apostle and prophet and you're that old, you got a lot of wrinkles, and you're that old like Copeland, and everybody else that you submitted to is dead, then you submit directly to Jesus. But there's a handful of people like that. So none, none in this church, including me, or all those so-called intercessors, none of them fit that category. So don't go feed me that bull. Well, I've, I've, I've reached the maximum level. I'm under Jesus. No, shut up. You just don't know what you're talking about. You just need a pastor and you need to submit, humble yourself because you're so full of spiritual pride and that's why God can't use you. But he said now, there was, a tr- there was a nugget there where he said now intercessors will get to assert that they can go so far. I'm talking about submitted intercessors, the right kind. Yeah. 
They can get to a place. They can pick things up. They can know certain things and they can move things to a measure, but some things must come through an office. That's why Dad Hagen could only move certain things in the nation. Intercessors couldn't. They could assist and they could help, but he had to stand in and speak. Intercessors were praying against that gold dust thing, but it took a prophet to stand in an office and say, he said, now speak it so I can cause it to come to pass. And he spoke forth judgment and then God. But see, intercessors can't always get there because they don't have that office. Now, some people stand in an office and they're an intercessor. So that's, a, that's, that's excellent. That's, that's exciting. But not everybody has that. Praise God. So I'm just saying that we need to pray. I say all that to say there's things that God wants to change politically, but he said, now it's not, you can't happen unless the people pray for you to step into a place and for the church, not just you, for the leadership, for themselves, for a place to be made in the spirit, but especially for that office and other offices that come into the pulpit. I'm certainly not the only one to step in. So he said, it has, it's not happening the way it should. And, I, and then, and then this is a little bit harsh. But I'm going to say it to you because he prompted me today. He said, you, you, you say that message that you haven't preached yet because I never got to it on the last two Wednesdays. So it's a little bit harsh statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. You better pay attention, buddy. I hope you're wearing your depends because a lot of this less rests on you. I'm serious. I'm not joking. He said, I will hold your congregation responsible for certain actions that take place in this country. Well, you say, well, Why? Because this congregation has a certain place of the spirit that not every other congregation does. And we have the voice and the right, remember, we're authorized to deal with some things. And if we don't deal with some things, they sometimes won't be dealt with because there's nobody else that is authorized to deal with them. And are you following the, the, the domino effect? If, if we as a church and me as a pastor are authorized to deal with things and we don't deal with them, and then the restriction and the negativity comes, God in his pure justice will look down the road. You'll figure it out when you get to heaven. And he'll say, I hold you responsible for that. So then, but, but, I, but I can't do what I'm supposed to do if I don't have the people praying. Because he said, you can only deal with it when you're in the spirit. And if they would pray more for you and for this particular area of your anointing, they would make a place in the spirit for you to step into and say things to change things. Are you with me? That's why he didn't say, I'm holding you responsible, Craig. Did you notice that? He didn't say, I'm holding you responsible because he knows I'll do it. And I am doing it. He said, I'm holding the congregation responsible. Why did he call, put the pressure on the people? Because if the congregation doesn't pray and pre- prepare a place, then the minister can't step in in that office of authority into that place prepared by prayer to speak for things, to change things in the nation, which otherwise could not be changed. Do you understand? It's only typically, uh, I'm not saying only, because there is a place for picketing, but it's the lowest possible level of change. The highest level is in the spirit. Do you understand? I'm not saying that it doesn't have a place. It does, but it's the lowest level because it's the natural. And there is a place for the natural, but the main place that we deal with things is in the realm of the spirit. But you can't just choose to pray. I can't just, I can choose to pray for the government, but I can't just choose to just, I'm going to, you know what? I'm just going to speak out and I'm just going to say some stuff and I just decide to do it. You can't do that. In fact, I'll, I'll get in trouble with God if I do that because it's, it's, it's taking holy things and playing with it. Do you understand? I, I can pray like everybody else can pray, and I do for our government, but I can't, get, I can't step into that place of authority, that place that is an office, that place where God invites me and says, come and speak forth, son. I can't do that unless a place is prepared. And I can't even do that unless he invites me in. The place has to be prepared, and then he has to invite me in. And then I speak. 
But if the place isn't prepared because the congregation's too lazy to pray, then he can't invite me in because there was no place prepared. Now, to a measure, I can prepare the place myself because I'm still a congregation member. My wife can prepare it. By our prayer lives, we can, to a measure, prepare for God to invite us in so that we can speak and things will change. But, but we only have two anointings operating here, so it does require other anointings, other people with their anointing, all praying, and it's a combined anointing that now prepares a place so that I can step in and deal with things. And he said, I'll hold the congregation responsible if that doesn't happen. So I don't mean to be heavy on you. It's Friday night. It's pizza night. Everybody's having fun, right? It's sunny. You know, we all want to go to water slides and stuff. But, but, but you come to church, we've got to talk about some serious things here. I will hold your congregation responsible for certain actions that take place in this country. Praise God. Now, the Holy Spirit has also said, um, I already explained that. I won't read that point because he talked to me about how not, oh, it's not just about them praying and you just, in other words, listen to me. I'm trying to teach you things that pertain to the Spirit that I'm learning by trial and error and that I don't know everything either, but I'm learning and I learned a lot from doctor and I learn a lot from Pastor Nancy and from Brother Greer and from Brother Jerry, but a lot of it I'm just learning on my own because I'm not around them all the time. You know, I can't run over always to them. I ask them if I'm not sure about something, but a lot of stuff you just have to learn by, from God directly. Do you understand? Because I don't live with them. But I just thought if you pray, I can just choose to step in and do it. And he corrected me one day and he said, you do not have the right, son. I must invite you. But I won't invite you if the place is not prepared by their prayer. But even when it's prepared, in other words, you could be praying. That doesn't mean I can just decide at any time I want. I'm going to step in and say some things to Prime Minister Chudo. That's the flesh. Even if you have prayed, I can't choose to do that. I can just be available and say, Father, the place is prepared. The word of God has come through the prophet to say that you have authorized me to deal with some things. When you want me to speak, tell me, and I'll step in and I'll speak. But I still, I'm in the attitude of invite me, not I have a right. So you see that the problem that God will invite if the place is prepared, but he can't invite and he sometimes won't invite if the place is not. Well, he can't invite if the place is not prepared. So don't just pray for the services. Are you with me now? And those of you that are watching my live stream, I hope you're paying attention, if you, especially if you watch the Wednesday services on the 17th and 24th, which was part one and two. Don't just pray for the services, but please pray for the services. Amen. Should I do the, re should I, no, should I, I don't know if I should. Okay, with a 10% margin for liars, because I know there's liars in here like there is everywhere. Uh, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just ask Jenny? I was a bit afraid, but let's just do it anyway. With a 10% margin for liars. Okay? If you prayed for the service tonight, put your hand up. Liar, 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 liar. Well, that's a much better response than I thought. So that really encourages me. Praise God. We're praying, we're praying. Even if you're just driving, you have five minutes. Praying in the Spirit for five minutes will accomplish something. Well, it's only five minutes. Who, what can God do with five minutes? You don't know what God can do with five minutes. Don't you tell God what he can and can't do with your five minutes. Your five minutes, if that's all you've truly got, he will do something if you'll just yield your vessel and say, Father, I pray out the perfect will of God for that service. Please pray. Where we're going, we're going to need it. Pray for the international. Where we're going, we're going to need it. Pray for the political. Where we're going, we're going to need to change some things. And there's a fourth category, which I wasn't planning on bringing up, but I'm going to because I felt the Lord prompt me and said, no, you talk about that now, so I'm going to talk about that now. The fourth category is you don't pray, there will be persecution. There's going to be persecution, but if you don't pray, there'll be destruction. You can't stop persecution because it's part of the deal. They hate us and they will persecute us. Jesus said they will. 
But if you don't pray in the midst of persecution, they will be destruction. They didn't pray and James got lost his head. They prayed and Peter was delivered by the angel. They prayed and the king that was assaulting the people, God smote him in his privates. I know you don't like me to say that, but that's the doggone truth about it. You study it. His private swelled until they exploded and he died. That's the disease. Yeah, that's right, buddy. Buddy, you got that right. That, now I'm glad. See, the kids at least are honest. Oh my God, ooh. 100% double ooh. I see that ooh and I raise it to a ah. That's what happened. Why? It wasn't, it was because the people prayed. The people said, Father, they are oppressing your church. Deal with him. Now, God might have raised up a prophet to speak it, or God might have just done it directly, but we know this is the only scripture in the New Testament, but it's there for a reason. We know that this was not a demon spirit that took him out. We know God himself killed that man. And I know there's preachers out there that say, God, don't kill. You're just stupid and ignorant. You don't have not read your Bible. God is a good God. Yes, he is. My God is a good God. Yes, he is a good God. And he's filled with tender, loving care and mercy. But when you touch the church and they're in revival, that's the key. It's not just touching the church. When the church is praying and they're in revival and you try to touch that church because of their sacrifice of prayer and because of the souls that are hanging in the balance and because of the glory that is on the earth that is moving through that church and you try to stop them, God himself will stand in your, God will stop you. It's not a light thing. It's not we don't like the car salesman, so we curse him. You're into witchcraft if you do that. We're not talking about a light thing here, but there are rare, rare, rare occasions where God will intervene directly because the church is praying and because the person is stopping the move of God. And that king went in the way. And the Bible didn't say that he opened the door to the devil. The Bible says the angel of the Lord smote him. That means God authorized smite him. And God did it in a very dramatic, disgusting way so that everybody would have fear. Don't you mess with that church. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, the day's coming. They, they keep pushing us. The day's coming where God will raise up because, not because we're so good or amazing, but because we're prayers. God will raise up people to pray. Then God, because of those prayers, will put people in offices to speak judgment. And because they withstand God himself, and we're just the body of Christ, they're withstanding the head. And they're withstanding the body. God will remove some people before the rapture of the church. I'm telling you, you're going to see it. You'll see it. It's coming. It's happening because the dirt, it's getting so filthy and dirty and dark out there. And they're playing such dirty games with us. I'm not talking about COVID, nothing to do with COVID. I'm talking in general. They're playing games, but you see, God can't do it with secret sensitive nonsense churches. Churches that, well, I don't really like the Holy Ghost moving and that's, uh, that's weird. We don't believe in healing and we're not going to have communion because it's kind of icky and homosexuals can come and do whatever they want because we just love everybody. Bunch of hogwash and those kind of churches will never have the power of God because they've compromised and they're living backslidden, sinful lives. But churches that stand, I don't mean to be mean to people, but churches that stand for righteous truth and say we are going to stand what the word of God says in love with the right attitude, not to pick a fight, but just to stand for righteousness and we're going to have a voice and we're going to let you run over our voice because you've got a big stick because we've got a big God, even though you've got a big stick and you may try to beat us and go ahead and beat us, but God himself will stand against you. I'm telling you, but it don't happen if people don't pray. 
So listen, listen, everybody. If I can't get you to pray for services, I'll never get you to pray for the for Brazil. If I can't get you to pray for services in Brazil and services here, I'll never be able to get you to pray for politics. If I can't get you to pray for those three things, I'll never get you to pray for when we face persecution, because if you don't pray, destruction will come. Are you with me? Destruction will come. And I don't want to be destroyed. God doesn't want us to be destroyed. God didn't want James Errol to lose his head, but he did. Don't you think God could have intervened? Why? That's why Wesley said, it seems that God can do nothing except people pray. Because God didn't want James to get beheaded. God didn't want James any more than Peter to get beheaded. The only reason God couldn't intervene is because the people didn't pray. Are you with me? So you better renew your mind because a lot of churches are teaching now that you don't need to pray. Guys, if you don't believe me, we're very unusual. You're just in a bubble here. I've created a bubble for you. But you, you should hear some of the things people tell me that come from other churches where not only do the pastors not pray, not only do prayer meetings do not exist at all of any shape or form. There is no teaching on prayer. There is no encouragement on prayer. Nobody talks about waiting on God, interceding and spending time with God and seeking God. It has almost become in these real secret sensitive churches, it doesn't, it's not even on their belief systems. But we are so different, Reverend Greg. We are pushing so hard. But that doesn't mean that everybody is pushing hard. There are some that are. We're not the only ones. But there are many that are not. So be careful who you listen to and who you associate with. I mean other ministries who you listen to and even other Christians that go to other churches. I'm not saying don't have friends. I'm just saying be careful because you, you start hanging out with a real secret sensitive person that doesn't believe in anything that you believe and that doesn't really believe in prayer and doesn't have a prayer life and you get real close. I don't mean acquaintances, but you get real close where they're not your best friend that you do everything with, but they don't even pray. They don't seek God. They're, they're dabbling with sin. That's going to get on you. Before you know it, they've talked you out of your prayer life. Now you're offended with your pastor. Now you don't want to tithe anymore. Now you've left the church and the place that God had assigned for you in the spirit in this place has now been aborted. <laughs> oh my God. And it happens, it happens so often you would be amazed how, how often it happens. Praise the Lord. So there are four categories. It's easy to remember four revivals, four categories. There's praying for services. There's praying for the international work. There's praying about the political arena and there's praying about persecution. I'm asking you to, I'm on record saying to you, please be aware. Hallelujah. <laughs> we prayed. We had a fasting prayer meeting. Remember, Jasmine? Just before we quit services for COVID, it was the last Wednesday night service that we had before we had to cancel services. And we fasted that day and we prayed that night and the anointing was on us to pray. It was on you. I could feel like a, like a storm, Lorraine. It's in the spirit. It was, like, it was like such energy. I don't know how to describe it. It was like the people were generating the power of God by their prayers. They came to pray, man. They weren't coming for pizza. They were coming to pray. And they had fasted. And God pays attention when you do that. And there was like a, st a holy storm that rose up in the realm of the spirit. And at the end of that night, I knew that we had the victory. And it wasn't just a short while after that that the lawyer called Errol and put me, Errol walks in and said, Pastor, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you have got to hear this. And I always say, good news or bad news? If it's bad, I'm not no sure I'm in the mood for bad news right now. He said, good news. I said, put it on, brother, put it on. I'm always in the mood for good mood, good news. You don't always want carrots, but you'll always take cheesecake. Praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> Actually, I like carrots. Let's use Brussels sprouts. So he put on the speaker and that lawyer said, I've never seen this in all the years I've practiced law over 25 years. I've never seen it quite happen exactly like this. He said, where the uh, crown attorney has contacted me. 
and is asking me to make a deal. And they are willing to throw the entire case against you out if you will donate $2,000 to a charity of your choice. <laughs> really? <laughs> Praise God. Because that person was lying about me. And I told people to forgive and walk in love. And apparently I violated constitutional rights and obstructed justice by telling people to forgive. Which is why I don't see, I love this kid because he's so honest. Which is why I don't, I don't have any more counseling if people have, have retained legal. I don't have any more counseling sessions. If you've retained a lawyer, you've lost spiritual counsel. Because it's so dangerous now that a pastor cannot tell people to follow the Bible because it violates constitutional rights and obstructs justice in many cases now. And so that's what the charges were against me. And I'm talking up to six months in prison. I mean, I'm talking, this is not a joke. And they were going, when the prosecutor was doing it, they were going for the highest possible penalty. They said that, we're going for jail time. So, I mean, I would have kind of had fun a little bit. I would have joined a gang. You know, I would have, called, I would have started my own gang called Lifers. Where I would have got people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I would have cast out devils. I would have started working out on the iron, in the iron. I would, I just, I'd come back so cut and buff. You'd be like, Pastor, go back. My God, go back. You come back looking this good, give yourself another six months. Let's see what you look like after that. I mean, I had to prepare my heart and mind. This could be a possibility. I remember, Jenny, we had to talk about it, an honest talk about it, of how, how we would handle it. Who would run, how would you do the bills? Because I do the bills. How would we organize this? Because it was, at one point, a very serious possibility. But for God and for the prayers of the saints, brother. Randy said, <laughs> Randy, I don't like that guy. I'm so stressed, man. I'm so stressed. I can, I'm crushing under the pressure. And I'm sitting across the table and I said, brother, do you have any word from God for me? You know what he said? Well, I'll teach you how to make hot chocolate in prison. <laughs> he said, you take a Milky Way bar, you put it in the thing. He showed me how to do it. He said, you gotta, it's too hot to touch with your hands. But if you get this little thing, you twist it and then you stir it with some milk. And, he, and, he, and he, every day he kept mocking me and saying, I'll show you how to do this in prison. I've been there. I'll show you how to do this in prison. And if I said, stop telling me that you're stressing me out. I don't need you to tell me what to do in the slammer. I need you to get me out. But he was having so much fun. My God. <laughs> he was having so. But because of the prayers of the people, not only did God deliver us, but he delivered us in a way the lawyer, the criminal lawyer had never seen happen. But that, that is an actual testimony. That's not somebody else's story, Sandy. That's our story. And if God can do it in that situation, God can do it in other situations. But for the prayers of the saints, Errol, we have an awesome lawyer. God richly bless him. He's a, I mean, if we ever need him, if we ever get in trouble, he is the man. Mr. Peter Boucher. He is an awesome, amazing criminal attorney. I will never use anybody else. He is awesome. But it's not because of his jiving, negotiating power. It was the prayers of the saints. Because when people pray, God answers. Don't ever underestimate the power of your prayers, even if it's for a short time. Pray for the church services. Pray for the international. Pray for the political arena, for God to invite us in to change some things. Pray regarding persecution. It may not be happening right now, but you don't know what's, you don't know what's hiding in the bushes. You don't know what's hiding in the bushes. Reverend Greg came to my house a little while ago. We were talking about some business stuff. We were, leave, we were leaving. We were in the driveway. And all of a sudden, I hear the... And I, the 
is a deep guttural roar, like growl, and then there was a high-pitched wail of a shriek, because, and you could hear it, it happened three times, right? Okay, you're my witness. And, went, and you could hear it biting, whatever it was biting, and as it was biting it, it would go, and then it would go, and it would go, and I'm like, oh my God, Greg. And I grabbed my phone, my flashlight, and I'm starting running toward the fence. It's right on our fence line. There's a coyote eating the neighbor's cat. We found out later because the neighbor was telling people, have you seen my cat? And I'm like, I saw it. <laughs> it's gone, brother. It's gone to cat heaven. It's gone to cat heaven. Poor thing's right, Jennifer. I wasn't encouraging it. You keep blaming me. Why didn't you stop it? She said, I'm not going to hop the fence. Unless it's got Oliver, and maybe I wouldn't hop the fence then either. No, I would hop the fence. But I say that to say this is something serious. Later that night, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, uh, you know how you were standing there, son, on the driveway and you heard that noise? And it was right on your property edge. I said, yeah. He said, in the spirit, there's, one, there's eyes watching you that are right on your property edge and you don't even know it. I have never shared that publicly. But I'm sharing that because we're talking about persecution. That thing was watching. I personally think that he knows Oliver's around because they can smell each other. And Oliver pees all everywhere. So he smells. He knows that there's a dog there. And I think they sit there and wait and watch. Because just in case he's strolling around and then they, then they attack. Now, he didn't get Oliver, but he got the neighbor's cat. Because the neighbor don't have no angels. But I got angels, buddy. But I'm not joking. I'm saying there, he said to me, they're in the spirit realm. There are eyes, meaning not good eyes, attacking eyes. Coyote eyes. There are eyes watching you that you don't even know, that I don't even know, that I don't even know about, Taylor. Which means there are people looking for our destruction. Like that nonsense email that came and people lying, just flat out lies about me last week. Not everybody got it. They tried to break into our computer system. Now we've got a lawyer. Our lawyer has sent, we're, we're doing a lawsuit. We're trying to do a lawsuit because we're hiring a technical company to track that guy down and find out who he is because he was using an alias. And if, he, if we find him, we're doing a lawsuit. We've, he's broken the law. There's a clause in the law that says if you slander somebody, you've broken the law. And there is no foundation for what that person is saying. It's complete lies. So I'm, maybe we'll pay off the building with that lawsuit money. I don't know. Just, just try me. Just try me. I'm going to go after him. What I'm saying is that there are eyes watching and that are not all to help. <laughs> Praise God, Lorraine. But you know what? Prayer, that's the wonderful thing. It don't matter how many eyes are watching. Thou will prepare a table before me in the presence of the watching eyes wanting to murder me. In other words, don't just, he didn't say, I have prepared a place for you to come and sit and tremble. He said, I've prepared a place for you to feast. So even though they're watching us, Greg, and they're watching you because you're a board member, you've got a big, bull, a big bullseye right on your chest. No, because people in authority have more of a bullseye than other people. But they may be watching us. But God has said, in the midst of their watching, you come sit, son. That's right. Don't even look at them. They may look at you. You just look at your food. In other words, you enjoy my word. You enjoy my presence. You enjoy the Holy Ghost. You enjoy what I've provided for you. And don't even worry. I know they're watching you. You know they're watching you. Just look at your food. Amen. And we have to, but if the people pray. No matter how many eyes, Sandy, God will move. God will intervene for us. God will intervene for us. Hallelujah. 23 people have tried to stop David Hogan aggressively. Tried to get him arrested. Tried to, get, tried to kill him, assassinate him. Tried to lie about him. Tried to hurt him. 
And everyone, everyone, 23 out of 23, he told me this in the green room. He said, every one of them that tried to stop my ministry, he said, you know, those are devils. I said, I know, Dad Hagen said anything that tries to hinder, attack, embarrass or harass the local church is 100 times out of 100 times demons. And David said, those are demons, but the person's yielding to the demon. And he said, uh, 23 out of 23 times, he said, I've spoken. I've spoken. Don't you, you, you don't, don't touch me. God, don't touch me. You're not touching me. You're touching God. And God don't like it when you do that. And 23 times out of 23 times, they mocked him. And 23 times out of 23 times, they dropped dead. One lost his mind and started eating grass like a cow. And, his, and, his, and his, uh, the, the, the men on, on, the, on the plantation in Mexico came and shot him in the head because he had lost his mind. He was a crazy person. Others just dropped dead of, of, of sickness. Others died in accidents. I mean, every single one that tried to hurt him, God came. God stood between him and them. And God said, you touch him. Just try it. And they, see, some people have such a mockery of God himself. And 23 people have dropped dead. I'm telling you guys, this, I know it's a bit heavier, but I'm saying God will defend the church. But you know, David's people fast and pray like I've never seen anybody else. That's probably why it's 23 out of 23. Because if they're like most churches, they, they don't even believe in praying. Forget about fasting. I mean, they fast and pray like nobody's business. And that is why God is right there immediately to defend. And I'm telling you, we're, we're, we're because of the message, not because of me, because I'm actually quite a nice person, but because of the message. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but because the message, the message is provocatory. The message, the people don't like the message. Christians like the message and hungry hearted sinners like the message. But, but people that, that don't love God and don't want to change, they hate the message. And because the message, the devil's against the message more than he's against me, he's against the message. So Taylor, uh, there's a responsibility on you as an associate to stand on guard and watch and pray. There's a responsibility on the staff and on the senior leaders and on the congregation to pray. And if I were you, I'd take it real serious because God's taking it real serious. He really is. And, I, and I, he said, you tie this off tonight, son. You talked about the first two, but talk about the last two, which is political and persecution. Talk about those two, because if people don't pray, there's going to be issues that are going to come up that you're going to be in trouble. And, and I don't just mean when I call a prayer and fasting meeting that everybody prays. I'm talking about a regular, a regular flow, a regular stocking the shelves, so to speak, of prayer, a regular, Lord, we're just praying out. You don't have to, you don't have to have God tell you, I've told you, so you just do it. You don't need God to tell you. If he tells you, of course, then he's trying to get your attention because you're not choosing to do it on your own. But you don't need him to tell you because we know it's in the Bible. We need to pray. So you don't need him to tell you to just say, Lord, I'm going to pray for political today. Maybe tomorrow I'm going to pray for the service I'm about to attend. Maybe the next day I'm going to pray for, for, for deliverance from persecution. It might not be now, but it, we, it could be tomorrow. It could be next week. Lord, I'm just going to keep the, the shelves stocked. I'm going to make much power available for that ministry and for Pastor Craig that he will be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men, for not all men have faith. Lord, I'm going to pray, Lord, for the international because he's going next year. You told him to go to here and here and here and here, and he's going to get there. And I want a place prepared for him that when he stands in there, the power of God will move. And because of my prayers, you'll answer it because I ask you, Father. So you've got to have some boldness with God like he actually respects you because he does. He loves you and he will do what you ask him to do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we're going to pray for those four areas. Amen. Put that. Was that the first one on the list? 
Put the second one. I just want to read them a couple things now. I already read this to you, but anyway, thank you, Father, and trust it into his hands. Greater, greater, greater. I'm skimming here. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the increase of that tangible, of that tangible anointing. So since Pastor Nancy prophesied on October 17 about a tangible anointing, then you need to get an agreement with that, and you need it every now and then, just whenever the Lord prompts you, or you can prompt yourself. Father, I thank you for the increase of the tangible anointing in our ministry. Because that tangible anointing will make arms grow out. That tangible anointing will make eyes pop in sockets that weren't there before. That tangible anointing will strike cancer and make it fall and bounce on the ground. That tangible anointing is powerful. So get an agreement with it. Because we're talking about praying for services, praying for international, but we need miracles in the services and international. So pray for that tangible anointing. Pray for the voice that goes forth. Number three, next one, is uh, just so that you're aware, the pace, the direction, and the momentum will be on the increase and the rise, and it will be notable in the change. That was October 17. Now, God said all that back then, Greg, and only now are we starting to see the momentum increase. So when I share what I share on Sunday, you'll understand that just because I shared on Sunday doesn't mean it's going to happen next month. But listen to me, a lot of what I've been saying to you up until now, Lorraine, has been reserved for Jerusalem about this last time great revival and all these things. But what I'm going to share on Sunday, he told me this is for Hebron. This is a Hebron event that is going to happen. At some point, now we have just passed the six-month mark. Hebron is about seven and a half years, the Lord told me, give or take. He's not legalistic. He's not going to be bound by an exact day. But in average, it's about seven and a half years. We've just passed the six-month mark. So we have about seven years, give or take. And he told me, this, what I've showed you, is going to happen in Hebron. This is not a Jerusalem thing. This is a Hebron thing. Jerusalem is more and greater. But he's talking Hebron. Now that we've been faithful the first six months of Hebron, now he's starting to talk about what's going to happen at some point down the road. I don't exactly know when, but I can guarantee you it will happen because I'm not trying to figure it out, Greg. I'm just saying I agree. I agree. So it's very important. You see, notice how long it's been. It's been almost three years since God said it before it happened. Many times when God says something, it's not always, sometimes it happens right away, but most times it doesn't happen right away. Why does he say that, Sandy? He's telling us so that we will pray and lay a track for that to happen. Now, we've been praying that for about three years, and now in 2020, the fullness of time comes, and it starts to happen. So what he said to me yesterday in prayer that I'm going to preach this Sunday is something that God wants to happen. I, I, I know in my spirit it's not immediately, but I know it's in the seven-year period. And now he's telling us early, Reverend Greg, so that we will begin to pray. We will begin to pray it out, lay a track, because at some point in the next seven years, it's going to happen. I'm trying to teach you how that thing works. See, God needs you to have longevity. A lot of so people are like drive-through mentality. Well, you tell me, it better happen next week. And it's sometimes a long time before it happens, but if you'll just not quit and be faithful and just keep stirring yourself up and keep the, 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 the importance of it and the sacredness of it, uh, Lord, this is real. You're, you're not bound by time. I'm bound by time. It feels like it's been long, but it's not long to you. You expect me to stay intense about this. You expect me to stay stirred up about this. And if you'll do that, you can do that by the decision of your own will. Then the anointing will come, but the anointing doesn't always come. You've got to stir yourself up. So there's a momentum and a pace and a direction that's increasing, and it will be notable. And that's, we're in the season of that starting to happen now. Now go to the next one. This is important. This happened last year. June 12th, last year in camp meeting. I stood up. She said, Pastor Craig, the pace that he has for you, notice she uses pace to Reverend Taylor twice now. The pace that he has for you is going to be so accelerated. And Brother Taylor, that pace that I have obviously means that it accelerates for you too. 
And so much quicker than what you've realized that in this season, what he's going to be doing and probably has been doing already, but even going to be doing more of it is telling you and giving you instructions of what to do so that you can come into that play, into that pace that he has for you. Things that would hinder, things that would slow you down or things that would get in the way. So it may seem like, because I've certainly been through those seasons, like you're getting an overhaul in every single way. He points at this or points at that. Now I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about he gives instructions and it's like you're just hearing one instruction after another and it's because of the preparation for the pace. And once that pace is, once the door is open for that pace to, notice that? Once the pace is, once the door is open for that pace to begin. Notice that? Because the door opened in Hebron. When she prophesied this, the door hadn't opened. See, that's how she knew in the spirit. It hasn't opened yet, but it's about to open. And I, didn't, I don't even tell her about Hebron. She doesn't know any of that stuff unless, unless she really asks. But it's not my place to tell her all our news unless she wants to know. And I do. But I'm just saying she didn't know that in the natural. So she got that by the spirit. And once that pace is, once the door is open for that pace to begin, that's Hebron. That's right now, 2020. We won't have time. You won't have time to deal with it then. In fact, if it's not dealt with by then, it will just have the wrong effect. So that's why he's taking this window of time and he's going to be talking more. And I don't know what all that pertains to, but he is going to be talking more about this and this and this. And it's because he has the high stepping pace in front of you where you're headed. So I guess it would be important to say this. The quicker you make those changes or implement something, whatever it is that he tells you to do, it's all for the pace. So you know, Haven't you ever been uh, this way in the past seasons? He would deal with us about this or tell us to do this or add this or change this or something. And we feel like we've had a a buffer, like we had a buffer of a time to do it. But there are certain seasons where we don't have that same buffer of time. And you're getting and you're getting ready. You're approaching so quickly that accelerated pace. So it's during this time he is going to show one thing after another, things that will help you and things to add in or things to take away. (laughs) hallelujah and he has and during three months of covid i got a lot of that stuff that he that she's talking about i got a lot of that done thank god in some ways for this time because i don't know if i would have got it done otherwise i'm i'm not praising god for covid i'm saying i i used it effectively use the time effectively because i was able to catch up on a lot of stuff that's what she's talking about so when said now when you pray for me Now you pray, Lord, if there's other things that would hinder the pace, get it over to Pastor Craig, help him. Pray, pray for me because it actually helps the ministry and you by extension if you pray for me. I'll take 15 more minutes and let you out early at the two hour mark. Put the next one up. This is what she said in 2018. It's very important. Now I speak, I speak for people that have skilled supply. And I hope you're paying attention because some of the prophecies that you've seen here, you should be writing something down. Pray for the voice. Pray for the pace and the momentum, right? Pray for the tangible anointing. There's one, two, and three. Pray for things that would hinder the pace. That was number four. We're on number five now. Are you with me? For the people that have a skilled supply to come to this church, people that have been misplaced by different reasons, I call for them to come. Now notice she did this back then, Reverend, because now's the season. Hasn't happened until, but it's going to happen. You'll see it's going to happen. People that have been misplaced by different reasons, I call for them to come. People that are already developed in some things and they're looking for a place where they can be fed and faithfully blessed and where their families can flourish, I call them here in Jesus' name. 
God will send and bring people of development. People who have been developed and it will bring acceleration. What did he say? This is a year of acceleration and takeoff. So this is the season for that, this to start happening. And those who have been here cannot be threatened. That's all of you folks. Because if they seem to progress in front of you, that's all right because it's all to bring everyone up further. It's not about, well, I've been here longer. It's not about that. It's about who does God anoint and appoint. So we don't become territorial because this is his territory. You get territorial, God will remove you because you'll break the unity. It's God's territory. It's not about being territorial. Do your, do your best. And then if God says it goes to someone else, hand it off with joy. That fulfills your joy. It doesn't challenge your joy. It doesn't affect it. It fulfills it because God will have something else for you to bring up to another level. Because God is going to bring people. That's an interesting thing that God said. God's going to bring people that have already been proven so they can advance a little faster and be trusted. And that's all right. You understand that's all right. It's not just you getting to stay in your position. It's who can take this further. Because I can take it to a place and I want to be in the place where, and I want to be in the place where only I can take it. But others can take it to another place. It's not better. It's just different. Listen, if you have a fine custom car that's being built, you know what one man does. One man just puts on the parts he's authorized to put on. The other man may just be putting on the lug nuts on the wheel. Doesn't look like it's very important, but try to drive without it. Your part might not look like it's as grand as someone else's part, but doesn't make it unimportant. Don't ever think that your territory gives you your importance. It's your obedience to whatever God says. You don't gain your self-worth from your position. Your self-worth is in obeying him who, who, and who you are in Christ because God's going to grow this place. And he's going to, are you listening? Grace. Jennifer, yes, God's going to grow this place and he's going to expand it rapidly. Accelerate it. Don't hinder it by not being pleased with changes that come. If you're not pleased with changes that come, you will hinder this. Amen. And this isn't a rebuke. This is for the future. This is for the future. This is for Hebron. This is to help. I don't know that because of what God showed me yesterday. That's how I have confidence because this technically could be for Jerusalem, but now God has showed me this is for now. This is to help us think right because the natural man and the devil would try to tell you you're of no value. You're not appreciated because they promoted someone in front of you. All that competition is demonic. It's, It's fleshly. That really that really you should have had that position. That's a lie of the devil. Don't take counsel from the devil. God will reward you for your faithfulness. Amen. A lot of stuff in there. Don't be territorial. You'll block it and God will remove you if you don't repent because he won't let that flow stop because one person's getting offended. He said he's going to bring people and he said it's for the future, Jenny, and the future is now. It's in this seven-year period. It's now. I'm telling you, my God, you don't want to miss Sunday. I'm telling you, I don't say that often like with the, with the insistence that I'm saying it, but you don't want to miss it. One more before we go, and this is very, very, this is probably the most important prophecy of all of them. All of them are important. All of them have their place, but this one is critical. And I pronounce, I pronounce over this church, divine joinings. Those who are joined divinely, I thank you for the increase of that. Not people coming in their mind. Not just people coming because they feel forced to come. Because somebody won't stop inviting them, but they don't really want to. God divinely connecting people. I'm telling you, it's amazing. We thank you for that, that they come, Father. Those who have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that are open and receptive to the vision, the assignment, the anointing upon this place, and they cooperate with it, they come. 
They, that they come in Jesus' name. They come drawn by the Spirit, assigned by the Spirit, joined. I love that phrase. Drawn by the Spirit, assigned by the Spirit, joined by the Spirit. Those are, that's a phrase you should memorize and pray out with me. Father, I thank you for the ones drawn by the Spirit, assigned by the Spirit, and joined by the Spirit. It all has to be by the Spirit. Keep going. Thank you for the influx. Are you ready for that word? You're going to hear me talk about this, some of this on Sunday, and if you've got a wig, don't even bring it. Just come bald because it's going to flip. <laughs> the dramatic influx, remember the previous prophecy? It will grow rapidly. Remember, it will grow rapidly, but God didn't, this, it will grow rapidly, I received that, but the word that God highlighted to me was not grow rapidly, it was, it was dramatic influx. Thank you for the dramatic influx, the dramatic influx of people. They come in Jesus' name, the dramatic influx, and ah, yeah, yeah, people will be jealous, but you just pray for them and slap them, I'm going to add that in. That jealousy has held them out of a lot of other things, I'm kidding, and we don't want them to keep being held out. We don't want them to keep being held out. We don't want it. We don't want it. But there will be jealousy. But pray for them because that jealousy hinders them. That hinders them and God doesn't want them to be hindered. He doesn't want them to be hindered. The devil does, but God doesn't. And we thank you, Father. Anything else? So we say, we, so we say, come in Jesus' name. Satan, you take your hands off the people that belong to this place. You've confused people. You've caused people to step back from what they know in their spirit. We've seen it, Greg. You take your hands off them in Jesus' name. You take your hands off because they know in their spirits what they should do. And you've held them in that mental arena and we say no more, no more. That hindrance, that hindrance gone and the influx comes. The dramatic influx comes and the supply will be dramatic and the provision <laughs> will be dramatic because the need is dramatic and it's of the Lord and the supply is of the Lord and we thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. No more, no more, no more of that strategy. No more of that tactic of the enemy. That spirit of division that worked, I see it. I see from the other place. She's talking about the other church that attacked us when we started. From the other place, from the other place against this place. Now we're in good fellowship with that church. So God is restored. But there's still a demon that tried to operate. Even though I'm fine with that pastor now. But there's a demon that will still try to operate. If you can't use that pastor, you try to use somebody else. From the other place against place, no more. Those words fall to the ground ineffective. Those words aborted, and it has held people back from following their hearts, has it not, Reverend Greg? But those words have now lost their movement. So we speak specifically to those words that you lose your power. You lose your power and your influence over their lives in Jesus' name. And we speak God's will, God's plan, God's way, God's place. Now they come, now they come in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. They shall wander no longer. They shall find this place. They shall be held out no more by wandering and by being fearful of what others may think. Okay? But they come in Jesus' name. Fear, you take your hands off them in Jesus' name. They will not be cut off. They will not be destroyed. They will not fail by coming to this place. That's a lie of the devil. They shall prosper. They shall find their fit. They shall be fed and flourish. Ah, uh, now they come in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. That was two years ago, and it's reserved for now. Why, why did God say it then? Why didn't he just say it now? Isn't she coming next couple months? Why didn't she just say it now? Because God needs time for us to pray it out. God needs the track to be laid. You don't have the train standing there and the conductor on the train looking at the workmen going, doot, doot, hurry up, I've got to go. And the workmen are like, <laughs> they bring that track two miles, five miles, ten miles out. 
trains long back. That's why he tells us so that we have time to lay the track so that when the train comes, drawn by the Spirit, assigned by the Spirit, and joined by the Spirit, it will surely come to pass. And I'll end it with that because that's a perfect segue to Sunday. Because on, on, on Thursday, I heard the Holy Ghost say, I got nothing. I mean, I'm as dead and blank as a doornail. I got nothing. I'm excited to pray, Taylor. But I don't know what to pray about nothing. And I heard him say, that's what he said to me. He said, you have been making the statement, divine joinings and dramatic influx as separate statements because it was said separately by Pastor Nancy. But it was in the same prophecy, son. It was. He said, join them and make a sentence. Because in my mind, I was seeing them separately. Because she said it at different times. He said, it will be a dramatic influx of divine joinings. It will be, start to say, son, it will be a dramatic influx of divine joinings. It will be a dramatic influx of divine joinings. Not just people, God joining people. And not just a little bit like we've experienced 10 people, 5 people, 3 people. A dramatic influx is not 5 or 10 people. It's 5 or 10, it's 500 or 1,000. It's 2 or 3,000 at a time. It's a dramatic. Dramatic means exceptional. Dramatic means to take note of. You don't take note of 3 people. Everybody has 3 people. You don't even take note of 50 people. You don't even really take note of 100 people because a lot of churches can grow 100 people in a month. They just do an advertising campaign. They offer a free car. But when God joins people divinely by the Spirit and He says, He says dramatic, I'm telling you, that's dramatic. So Greg, I've been saying since yesterday, He revealed that to me supernaturally. I've, been re- I've read this a dozen and one times, but I've never connected those phrases before like one sentence, even though it's in the same prophecy. And that's the spirit of what she was saying, but I wasn't, for whatever reason, connecting them. And it took God to show me. He said, make it one sentence, son. Start to say now, as often as you can. Start to say it. Connect your heart to it. Start to say, Father, I receive in Jesus' name by faith a dramatic influx of divine joinings, a dramatic influx of divine joinings. They'll come in Jesus' name. And now that I've read it again, I, I say, now, Father, because I'd forgotten that part. Lord, you're drawing them by the Spirit. You're assigning them by the Spirit. You're joining them by the Spirit. It will surely come to pass. Hallelujah. But you got to pray this out. So what we talked about six prophecies. One is pray out for the voice. What is the other one? Pray out for the tangible anointing. What about the other one? Pray out for the pace. What about the other one? The fourth one, pray out for hindrances to the pace. What about the other one? Pray out for skilled, mature believers to help us in the work. Amen. That was the fifth one. And a lot of other stuff, but that's the main gist. What about, the, what about this one, the last sixth one? Pray out for a dramatic influx of divine joinings. That's what this is about. And that's what God has put the highlight on this week. And that's what I'm preaching about on Sunday. And he showed me something in the Word that flipped me right out. My God, we are ready. Lorraine, you better get some sleep. Now, people, Lorraine told me that everybody thinks that she sleeps 18 hours a day because I told her sleep 18 hours a day. I want you to know Lorraine works very hard and she doesn't sleep 18 hours a day. She said, Pastor, they think I sleep all the time. Some people are emailing her and saying at 2.30 in the afternoon, sorry to wake you, Lorraine, but I just wanted to. (laughs) And personally, I just think it's wonderful. I mean, I just think that's wonderful. No, she's normal, praise God. I'm just saying she works so hard and uh, she gets up so early to pray. That's why she goes to bed a little earlier, like my wife. My wife goes to bed a lot earlier than me because she gets up so early to pray. I said, I just mock Lorraine a little bit, praise God. I said, because what's coming, we're going to need more staff. We're going to need, I'm telling you, we're going to need a little golf cart. I've always wanted a golf cart. 
We're going to need a golf cart because I'm I'm just going to have to tour the property a little bit. I'm serious. Brother Jerry has a golf cart. They pick him up and he drives around and then old people that can't walk very good, they, the golf cart comes and they park, the, the lady gets out and she's hobbling and they got the golf cart and she sits down and they, and they zoom her over to the front door. And then somebody has a crutch, crutches because they broke their ankle, the guys come with the golf cart and pick them up and drive them in. And then somebody's really fat and overweight, they come with the golf cart and pick them up. And when I went there, the golf cart showed up. I said, I bind you in Jesus' name. Don't you come looking for me. I don't need no golf cart. I'll walk. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to need a golf cart, Arrow. You better get your license. Is there such a thing called the golf cart license? I don't know, but you better get it. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I thank you. I feel like just keeping them out of spite. I feel like keeping them till 11 o'clock, Lord. But I love them so much. And you love them so much. And I bless them tonight. They came out to church on a Friday night because they're hungry, because they love you. They're putting you first in their lives. Lord Jesus, we are living in a very exciting time. We're living, especially in this, this last two-week period, since we started live service again, you have talked, you're talking so much. It's like it's heightened. It's like it's ramped up from the live stream only season. You talked so much then, and it was so wonderful, but you're talking more. You're talking more. It's of a higher level. Lord, you're getting us ready. If I'm excited, I can't imagine, Lord, you're obviously more excited than me because this is your church you're talking about. You love these people, and you've got a great plan for their lives. You love Toronto. And you've got a great plan for the city. And Lord, you want, to use, you want to use local churches that are hungry for you. Lord, there's many of them in Toronto that are hungry for you. And they qualify for your, for your move. But Lord, we want you to know that we're one of them. We know we're not the only ones. We don't think we're higher than we are. But we want you to know that we're hungry for you, Father. We're hungry to live right. We're hungry to pray. We're hungry for your power. Like Dr. Dufresne preached on Wednesday night, we're hungry for signs, wonders, and miracles, Father. We're hungry for the supernatural power of God to shake and rattle the tree of the sinner and the tree of the saint. We're hungry for it, Father. We we want you to know how much we love you and we want to submit and agree with you. We don't want to argue. We don't want to try to figure it out with our mind. We just agree. When you say it, we agree. And I thank you for it, Father. Bless every person that's watched tonight. Bless every person here in person that took the time to come. Lord, I thank you for the anointing on Sunday to speak forth that which needs to be spoken, that it would be easy to understand, easy to be absorbed into their hearts, and that, Lord, the people would run with the vision. You told me I'm looking for runners in Hebron. Lord, I thank you that the people are running with the vision in Jesus' name. What I've cast before them today is part of the vision. It's these prophecies that they need to pray out. Lord, you told Timothy, make a good warfare with the prophecies spoken over you. So, Father, we're obeying your word in 1 Timothy chapter 1, where you told Timothy to make a good warfare with the prophecies spoken. That's what we're doing, Father. We're letting them know the prophecies so that they can use those prophecies, pray them out, and, and appropriate, and, and, and say, Father, we lay hold, and we're laying the track, and we're praying it out in the Holy Ghost that these prophecies will come to pass. And we thank you, and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus.